Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. So we are continuing today in this message series we're calling Good News Now. We've got an overview of, of Luke and Acts, two books in the New Testament written by the same author, kind of a part one and part two. And uh, we're moving into Acts, as you saw in that summary of the first seven chapters. We're going to be in Acts chapter one today, uh, beginning at verse one, and we're calling this to the ends of the earth. I think Acts chapter one might be one of the most significant chapters in the New Testament, at least for what it shows in terms of a transition. You you have the last record of the of the disciples with Jesus prior to receiving the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and it contains the last words of Jesus before he ascends to the Father in heaven. And so we're getting to see how the disciples were thinking at that moment and how the you know they're they're functioning before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit yeah, and, you know, as Jesus is about to leave. For example, let me give you an example. Um, at the end of chapter 1, Jesus has ascended to heaven. Uh, Judas, who betrayed Jesus, had committed suicide. And so the disciples decide, well, we should still be the 12 apostles, and so we need to pick a replacement for Judas. And so they kind of select a couple of candidates, and the way they make their decision is by casting lots, which is sort of the Old Testament way of, of doing things. You kind of, let's... Let's just throw it out there and, and let God decide. It's a, a sort of a random, almost fateful way of deciding things. But it's how God functioned in times previous. But that's the last time in the Bible we see that kind of decision making. After this, it's decisions are made under the guidance, the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So what's what we're, we're seeing this sort of Old Testament style of faith about to move into the New Testament style. God's, uh, you know, become the relationship with God is about to become much more personal. Now, the last instructions of Jesus are really important and they're contained in what I'm about to read. And last instructions are important. Those of you who are parents, you may remember the first time or two or a few times that you left your kids alone, uh, let's say for a weekend. And what did you do? You made a list, right? Lock the doors at night. Uh, feed the dog, keep the kitchen clean, uh, you know, get empty the mailbox. And you, you really had expected your kids would actually do all those things you instructed them to do. And you come back and you're just happy that they're still alive and the house didn't burn down, right? That's pretty much what you kind of lower your bar to sort of that expectation. But you expected those last words would be, you know, honored before you came back. Well, Jesus is kind of doing the same thing. The Holy Spirit is about to be given. The church is about to be birthed. Things are going to get busy and sometimes very dangerous for them. And and Jesus has some things to tell them, you know, proverbially on his way out the door before he's going to come back that that he expects they're going to they're going to pay attention to. So if you've got a Bible with you, I invite you to find Acts chapter one, beginning at verse one. And let's stand together if you're able for the reading of God's word. Acts one, verse one begins this way. 
Luke writing, he says, In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, that's the name of his friend, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. Now, during the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Now, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And it was just just over a week. Verse six. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they're not for you to know. But verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, after saying this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. We thank the Lord for his word. Let's be seated together. I'm convinced that the disciples really did not understand the ministry of Jesus until they had received the Holy Spirit. I think that's when the understanding really came. Because verses 6 and 7 are an amazing kind of window into their thoughts. Uh, it, where Jesus, you know, it says Jesus, you know, it, you know, they're, they're like, Jesus, like, hey, is now the time? Like, you're going to restore the kingdom, right? Like, you're going to kind of establish the kingdom here on earth. And look, I think we can do the same thing easily. I think we often fall into that. You know, we're tempted to put our hope in earthly political kingdoms and, and solutions, but we're citizens of an eternal heavenly kingdom, a spiritual kingdom that will one day rule the earth, a new heaven and a new earth, right? But now is not the time for that. Now, you might think that's a little bit rich coming from a guy like me who loves America and who loves, you know, the freedoms that we still have left, right? I do believe that... Um, we are to leverage the opportunities we're given in our current political system, right? To seek leaders who will promote the welfare of our nation, who will, you know, resist tyranny and, and promote, you know, things that are good for us. We want to seek leaders who promote peace and prosperity, all that. But I cannot say this clearly enough. That's not the source of our hope. That's a temporary thing that we get to participate in. But the source of our hope is Jesus, like Jesus is the king that we serve. Jesus is, uh, Christ alone is the one in whom we trust. And so we can help usher in the kingdom of God, so to speak, by participating in the work of making the kingdom of God known, making Jesus known from here to the ends of the earth. So the key verse in this passage that we read, I really believe, is verse 8. Verse, verse 8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, it's a similar statement. It's a similar commission to what Jesus 
gave and is recorded at the end of Matthew's gospel, right? Go make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teaching them to, to obey all that I've taught you, and I'm with you to the end of, of the age. But Luke, Luke loves to feature the work of the Holy Spirit. He loves talking about the Holy Spirit, loves highlighting the work of the Holy Spirit. And so Luke brings out the emphasis a little differently here. Luke records this less as a command and a little bit more of an observation. You will receive power, he says. You will be my witnesses, he says. That's really important. The reasonable, the reasonable expectation of the follower of Jesus, right? The reasonable expectation of a person filled with the Holy Spirit is that witnessing to the life of Christ is going to be your default mode. It's, it's going to be kind of natural for you. And so yes, making disciples is a command, but beautifully, as you live your spirit-filled life, Jesus is going to lead you to be a witness for him. To me, it just takes a ton of pressure off. But it's the priority. Remember what Jesus said? Seek first my kingdom. Everything else is going to be added to you. Everything else will be taken care of. As you seek Jesus first, receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life. He will do that through you and for you. Now, chapter 2 of Acts is the record of Pentecost where 3,000 people were saved and baptized and added to the church. We know that many more were there that didn't receive the gospel, so thousands. And people from all over the empire are there. And the video suggested that many of them stayed in Jerusalem, and we believe that's true. Many went back to their hometowns um, and, 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 you know, throughout, basically throughout the empire. Um, but some stayed in Jerusalem. You would think that at an event as spectacular as Pentecost, fire from heaven, sounds of rushing winds, people speaking another language, you would think people would say, now's the time. Like, we got to make this known to the ends of the earth. Like, let's go. You would think that's the response. But in fact, they developed this deep kind of magnetic fellowship in Jerusalem. And, and they loved it and they were caring for each other and helping each other. And then, as you saw in the video, chapter seven records the Steve, the killing of Stephen, the first martyr. And we're told at that time, chapter eight, verse one says this, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem and all the believers except apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. It's very interesting when things turn in those situations, it, it'll turn within days. Just, just instantly. I was reading recently a little bit about um, uh, Corrie Ten Boom, who was involved, who was in Holland when when Germany overran Holland, and they said within five days everything was normal, and five days later everything's changed. Like these things will happen very, very, very quickly. And and what is remarkable to me, and this is kind of helps you as a little mnemonic device, chapter one, verse eight, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the eight. Chapter one, verse eight. Chapter eight, verse one. They hadn't gone. What happens? They're persecuted and they're launched out into Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. It's kind of an important shift. In other words, they didn't go to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. They stayed in Jerusalem. And it always happens. We get comfortable. It's easy. We stay where we are. And it gets hard to go. And so then we tend to leave it to someone else to go and, and do the do the work. And then it often takes persecution or a major upheaval to go. For example, after World War II, there was sort of a revival of the missions movement. Why? Because a lot of servicemen had been, especially in the South Pacific, had been to these places where they were like, these people need the gospel. 
And they came back, they retooled. Someone at, went as aviators, someone as Bible translators, someone as, as doctors, and, and someone as you know, church planners. And they went back to these places. Why? Because that horrible event, 70, maybe 85 million people dead in World War II, that's what led to a rebirth of the gospel. Sometimes it takes that persecution or suffering upheaval to go. Okay, sidebar. But anyway, you might think that by now... Look, it's 2021, we've got technology, we've got everything going. You might think, well, by now, surely everyone everywhere has heard the gospel. Like, we're done, right? Like, shouldn't we be done by now? Well, we're not, and this for two reasons. One is, every generation needs, uh, not yet, we'll get there. Every generation still um, needs to hear the gospel. Every generation needs to hear the gospel for themselves, and every you know, generation needs to decide. And secondly, the gospel still has yet to reach every neighborhood. And then you think, well, okay, but surely we can just do that through the internet. Like we've got Zoom now and we just reach the whole world uh, by video conference. Like, isn't that how we do it now? Um, internet, obviously, friends online, amazing tool. We love it. It's been very helpful in so many ways for the gospel, but it's not enough. Did you know uh, we were recently on vacation in a country where we couldn't get our church website. It wouldn't load in that country because churchy kind of stuff gets blocked. So it's not even an option. You think, well, people could just download the Bible and read it for themselves. And yes, in many places they can and they do. But do you realize not everywhere has that level of capability that we have and it gets blocked. For example, there's some reports coming out of Afghanistan. If you've downloaded a Bible on your phone and the Taliban finds you, you're in serious trouble. If you don't lose your life, you certainly at least will lose your phone. For some of you, your phone is your life, but that's not the same thing, right? So, so there's still work to be done. Now, then there's the other whole element of saying, okay, I get it. The whole world needs to hear the gospel. That's great, but I can't go. There's no way I can go. I'm not adequate. I'm not capable. I'm not spiritually ready to be an effective witness. Like that's not for me to do. That's got to be somebody else. And to that I say, none of us ever feels ready for whatever we're called to. None of us ever feels ready. And none of us, not all of us called to the same thing. Some of you called to pray. Some of you called to, to generously give toward the work of the Great Commission. Some of you are called to go. That might be across the street. It might be across the, the aisle in your office. It might be across the world. But we're all called to be a witness for Jesus. None of us feels ready so what we what do we do? We put ourselves in a position of service and we say, Holy Spirit, however you want to use me today, that's what I that's what I want to do. Wherever you have me, in the classroom, uh, in in the business world, in my retirement, taking care of my grandkids. Lord, wherever you have me, that's where I'm going to serve you. Right. And and so that's what we want to want to be. We're just messengers. We're just messengers. And we get to proclaim there is forgiveness of sin for all who repent. You say, yeah, but, you know, I work in a hospital. I work in a place where I, I can't really openly share the gospel. Trust me, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you and give you the right opportunities at the right time. And I know there's so much going on in your life right now. I get it. It's it's kind of overwhelming. Many of you feel sort of trapped by this whole COVID thing. You're confused. There's so much deception going on around us. We're anxious about or livelihoods and anxious about the climate and anxious about just our way of life and all those things. All, I, I get all of that, but Jesus has still called us. He said we are going to be his witnesses. And so you can be a witness to, for him, even just simply how you carry out 
your daily business. And so I'm going to leave you here based on this passage, three ways that we can get on mission with Jesus. If you're taking notes today, you can write these down. Three ways to get on mission with Jesus. And first is this, simply to remember that we're not done. There it is. We are not done. We're not finished. The job's not done. It's not over. Until every person has had the opportunity to respond to the gospel, the task is still before us. And for that to happen, each of us needs to embrace the identity of a witness. I am a witness to Jesus. Some of you have, you know, witnessed a car accident. You're asked to say, hey, what did you see? You know, what happened from your perspective? Some of you, you had to be a witness in a court of law and say, well, what happened? How did you experience the situation, right? I need to ask myself, what is my life witnessing to? What is my life a witness to right now? Right? If someone looked at my life, I have to be honest and say, what, what would they notice about me? Where is my life leading the next person? What am I witnessing to? Another way to ask it is, what are they going to say about me at my memorial, at my funeral service? What are they going to say? The bottom line is that we are not done the task and we all have a place somewhere in that task. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I like having people on the platform who share it, even about local ministries. And we've got somebody coming, uh, I think next week and the week after, and they, they share us like, here's what we're doing and here's how you can be involved. And something sometimes it's something very simple and very local. But whatever it is, I think today the Lord might be planting a seed in your heart Maybe the seed in, in a young person's heart to say, I'm going to go. Whatever it takes, I'm going to go where the Lord would send me. And the Lord might send you further than you expect. Um, there's a movie in town. I just found out about it. It's just here this week, Monday and Thursday only. And it's called Ends of the Earth. And I've got a two-minute trailer I want you to watch. And then I'll make a good offer to you after that. Let's watch this trailer. There are still parts of the world in the 21st century that are utterly unreached and isolated. To have an airplane come and serve a place that's never been served by it before has a profound change on that location. MAF was born to go into the world to reach others for Christ. There's a certain amount of risk that missionary pilots may encounter. Places that have not been reached by the gospel, they're hard to reach. In many cases, it's dangerous to reach. People who are living in great spiritual darkness. The island of Papua, basically in the middle of the jungle, in the middle of nowhere. When we first went in there 14 years ago, I thought, that seriously cannot be an airstrip. An airstrip at a village is an important milestone in their spiritual relationship with God. I would love to bring the airplane back here. So please, please finish the work. Tim and I both came to bring a people group into the kingdom. The gospel coming to the people of Papua is way more important than even my life. I just got a message. A plane went down in a lake. There's been an accident. We had an airplane missing. It's worth doing what we can do to see Christ change their hearts. This is worth giving your life for. They're here. It worked. 
beyond anything we can imagine. This is an opportunity and a privilege of spreading the greatest news in the world to the ends of the earth. I think that's cool. So here's my offer to you. So Becky and I are going to go see this tomorrow at Manchester Mall, Manchester Cinema, 7 o'clock. If you'll join me, I will take you for ice cream afterwards. Maybe I'll limit that to the first 10 or so, but, but if you'll go, I'll take you for ice cream. So you got to get your tickets, and uh, you can do them online or maybe at the, at the door. Ends of the earth. That's cool. All right, so that's the first thing. The work's not done. Second, work with the Holy Spirit. Second, this is, this is an important thing. Work with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit's involved, ministry is unforced. Right? Jesus said the Holy Spirit is like the wind. He blows where he will. And, and in that same way, it's much better to let the wind of the Spirit direct you than to try to force something, to force a conversation, to force yourself in, into witnessing. A few weeks ago, we, we made a trip north to, to see family. And Becky and I were seated separately on the plane. And so, uh, look, I've learned by now that no one on a plane wants to have a conversation with their seatmate. I get it. Everybody throws their earbuds in right away. Like, just they tune you out. So I do not engage anybody in a conversation unless they sort of indicate they want to talk. Because I know how it goes. So this guy beside me strikes up this conversation. And he just he wants to talk. And it was an amazing conversation. Uh, almost all the way uh, to Seattle. I could not have planned it. I was not looking for it. But the Holy Spirit said, how about now? It was awesome. So just work with the Spirit. Wherever you are in your workplace, school, home, wherever, listen for that nudge and then obey it. Just work with the Spirit. It's not up to you. Let the the Holy Spirit lead you in that. So that's the second thing. Work with the Spirit. Third thing I want to tell you in terms of getting on mission with Jesus, it's just this. Don't just stand there. Don't just stand there. Jesus is coming back. Here's the disciples. Oh, no. He's gone. (laughs) Right? Like, what are we going to do? Like, is this temporary? Like, what kind of gone are we talking about here? Like, is he coming back right away? Like, right? Like, don't just stand there. Jesus is coming back. I I just love how that, that passage ends. Verse 11. Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Huh. Jesus is coming back, but we don't just stand around waiting for his return. We have a world to reach. Now, at this point, you might just say, well, I'll be an intentional witness for Jesus. I'm willing to go to the ends of the earth. But how? Like, how does any of this happen? Like, how does this intersect with my real daily life? I want to tell you a little story about a friend of mine. His name is Ron. Ron was a warm and generous guy, served his church, this church, took great care of his family. He's an awesome guy, right? Ron and his wife loved to travel. They'd seen many places in the world. And especially in retirement, they just traveled extensively. He'd even had the opportunity to visit some missionary, you know, family members at one point. But approaching his 79th birthday, and of course I didn't know that's how old he was, he was getting, um, I asked Ron to go to the Philippines with me, and he agreed to go. His doctor said it was okay, his wife said it's okay. And, um, what we didn't know is that he had cancer already. And the cancer was growing pretty aggressively. 
He didn't know it. We didn't know it. But you would not have known that that was a problem for him as he went to places that he never imagined going. It was amazing. In in the slums, he was praying for people in need. In church, he was sharing his testimony. In meetings, he was encouraging people. He was being generous with resources. and It was just amazing everywhere he went. And right to the end, he, he was just saying it was the best thing he'd ever done. And it was the end because four months later, he was with Jesus. But he talked about that journey right up until his last days. Now, here's the kicker. When I went back a year ago, a year later, I mean, nobody asked, nobody even remembered me that I'd been there. But they all asked about, where's where's brother Ron? Did you bring brother Ron? I'm like, I'm here, right? It was amazing. He just was following the flow of the Holy Spirit. How do you witness For Jesus, you live your spirit-filled life wherever he sends you, wherever he takes you. You say yes as much as you can. When you get an opportunity, unless you have a good reason to say no, you should say yes. There's local ministries that need help. The pregnancy care centers in Hope Now for Youth and Youth for Christ, those kind of places. There's there's short-term missions trips that, that have opportunities to go. As the Holy Spirit nudges you, just say yes. God will provide. He'll make the way. He'll direct your plans. He's going to direct your conversations, your interactions. He will take care of it. Just make sure your life then is a witness to Jesus wherever you go, more than it is to money or more than it is to your hobby or your sport or or your social media, whatever it is. Make your life a witness to Jesus. Because we're not done. We're not done. The task is not done. And so we want to be ready to venture out for him. But I just, my caution is only work with the Holy Spirit. Only work with the Holy Spirit. Let him lead you in that. And then whatever you do, don't just stand there. Jesus is coming back. A day is coming. He's going to appear in the clouds and you're going to say, wow, you'd be ready. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you. We thank you so much for your great, great love for us. We thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. We thank you for recording this whole episode. Lord, we, we cannot imagine the bewilderment and the fear and, and even confusion maybe that those disciples were in as they lived in that 10 days of limbo between you being with them and the Holy Spirit coming and, and what would happen. And, and then just everything just went wild from there. God, we want to live in that flow in obedience to the Holy Spirit. We don't want to have to force things. We don't want to come be responsible and make things happen. We just want to respond to you and what you're inviting us into. Help us to be those kind of people wherever you would lead us. Lord, let us be good messengers, good witnesses. Thank you for this good news that anyone who calls on your name will be saved. Thank you for this good news that there is there is forgiveness of sin for all who would repent. We just praise you for this message. Lord, let us be great ambassadors, even this week, wherever you would lead us. We love you, Lord, and uh, we just thank you for your work in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.